Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa and by Stuart Weir. And on this week's show, we look back at the latest Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers with Zambia back at the finals after missing the last three editions. We hear from their coach, Avram Grant. Very happy from the attitude of the player and the quality of the game in any aspect. Uh, but I cannot speak about the game without mentioning the atmosphere. That's coming shortly. Also, Senegal shine in a friendly win over Brazil. And we look at the career of Ghana's all-time top goalscorer, Asamoah Jan, who announced his retirement from football on Tuesday. Plus, Stuart on the English Premier League transfer news. Let's start with a thrilling fifth round of qualifiers for the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations. The finals take place in Ivory Coast next January and February. Fifteen places have been taken now and nine remain. Zambia are back at the AFCON after missing the last three editions. More on the Chipolo Polo soon. Nigeria beat Sierra Leone 3-2 to qualify with a game to spare. Victor Osimen scoring twice. Kalechi Iheanacho getting the other. Senegal dropped their first points of the campaign. They drew 1-1 away to Benin, but they've qualified already. Uh, South Africa beat Morocco 2-1. Both teams had already qualified and they gave us a good contest, uh, what with South Africa putting up an improved display against the World Cup semi-finalists. Percy Tao's ball in was fumbled by the keeper for an own goal. Zakele Lepasa made it 2-0 and Morocco pulled one back with a wonderful left-footed curler from Hakim Ziyech. Here's the South Africa coach Hugo Bruce. And I said for the game, the result is not important, but I like to see a good performance. I like to see the progression we made in the last months. And I think and I hope that you agree that you saw a team that make enormous progression in the last months. We played against a very good team, a very good team. We were never dominated, never. On the contrary, an opposite, we sometimes dominated that team. I'm happy that I went on to give confidence on that group of players. I believed in them, even that some people didn't believe in it. And because I made bad choices, I didn't understand the South African culture and uh, from that nice things. But you see, you don't build a team in one day. You need time. And in that time, defeats can be very useful. So we had defeats. But we learn a lot about it. And today you see a team, a team that plays good football, that creates chances. We still have to improve, that's for sure. But if we can do that in the next months, I think, I think we can also make a great Afghan next year in January. That audio from the South Africa Football Association, uh, they certainly are making good strides. Mauritania beat Sudan 3-0 to qualify. Equatorial Guinea beat Tunisia 1-0 to book their place. Tunisia had already qualified. Cape Verde have made it too. Uh, Ghana are not there yet. They were held to a goalless draw away to Madagascar. Uh, Cameroon also are not quite there yet. Malawi are out. Uh, Madagascar also among the teams who won't be playing at the finals in 
in Ivory Coast. Uh, very tight in Group F. Algeria have qualified already. Either Tanzania or Uganda will be joining them. Uh, Uganda must win away to Niger and hope that Tanzania lose away to Algeria for them to qualify. Otherwise, Tanzania will make it. Uh, the Gambia need a draw at home to Congo Brazzaville in their final game in September. So Zambia are back at the Nations Cup after missing the last three editions. They beat Ivory Coast 3-0 in Dola in front of a huge crowd. Pats and Dakar was among the scorers. Zambia are coached by former Chelsea coach Avram Grant, who's from Israel. He spoke to the Football Association of Zambia. Very happy from the attitude of the player and the quality of the game in any aspect. Uh, but I cannot speak about the game without mentioning the atmosphere. And uh, the atmosphere was amazing. They really they asked before that the supporters will be the 12 men. I think they took it seriously and become the 12, the 13 and the 14. And they pushed us like crazy. And I think the combination between them and the efforts of the players uh, even put uh, pressure on the uh, Ivory Coast. And for me it was fantastic because if you remember the games against Lesotho, we had the players only four days before, three days before, two days before. And it's very difficult to put the team together by the, by the tactical side. Even they respond very, very well. And here we had uh, one week more and I think you saw the result on the pitch. The players was very fit physically. I think we destroyed the Ivory Coast by, by the fitness side. And we did it when we play like a team and everybody give a lot of effort. You can do even miracles. And uh, we are still humble. We know our place, but we know that we want to improve, improve, improve a lot. And I said to the players, well, I'm very happy, but now let's look how we'll uh, improve. And I must tell you, this is a very, very good uh, group of players. And the amount of the things that uh, I want as much as I can, uh, games and uh, trainings. I'm looking for a training camp to do. And we will be ready when we come back. We will be ready. So that's Avram Grant, that audio from the Football Association of Zambia. Uh, so, Ida, lots to talk about there. And uh, in Zambia, there's been some debate among fans, with some saying the qualification is nothing to celebrate, as making it to a 24-team AFCON is an expectation uh, rather than a success. <laughs> well... There are some very high standards there, Steve. I mean, these are past Afghan winners that we're talking about after all. Coincidentally, they beat the Ivorians to win their only Afghan title in 2012. But the Zambia team really declined after that. You know, they failed to get past the group stage in the following two tournaments. And then they just didn't qualify at all for the next three editions. So, to me at least, progress is progress, Steve. They needed a draw to qualify, they did even better than that, and they beat Ivory Coast in front of 50,000 fans. And look, with that, they're back in the competition, but with that said, they shouldn't get complacent. Two-time champions Ivory Coast, well, they qualify automatically as hosts, but they are competing in the qualifiers to gain competitive match practice. And Look, going by their performance against Zambia, it looks like there's a lot of work to be done to avoid possible embarrassment on home soil. Yes, yeah, certainly uh, Ivory Coast defended very poorly in that game against Zambia. So the final round of AFCON qualifiers is on in September. 
Well, elsewhere, Senegal had a fabulous 4-2 win over Brazil in a friendly match in Portugal played on Tuesday, with Sadio Mane scoring twice. Uh, this uh, something for fans of African football to get excited about, Ida. Absolutely, Steve. A great win and overall a great story. Senegal once again setting the pace and, despite it being a friendly, some interesting dynamics to the game. The fact that they fought back not only to equalize but then to control the game in the way they did was simply amazing. And Steve, the quality of the goals. Look, it's one thing to win 4-2 against the five-time champions, but Every goal was something. From Diallo's equalizer to Mane, they were all exceptional. It was the first time that Brazil had lost by two goals since they were beaten 2-0 by Chile in 2015. And they hadn't conceded four or more in a match since they were humiliated 7-1 by Germany that was in the 2014 World Cup semifinals. Steve, if Senegal played with such confidence at the World Cup, I mean, we'd be talking an entirely different story. They need to have more fun. You could tell they were loose, enjoyed it, and even got a few smiles from coach Alu Sisse. How they can achieve this sort of balance in big competitive games, I don't know. But they clearly do better when they're having fun. Well, the same can't be said for the Selecao. It was their third loss in four matches. And clearly, the team does need some leadership and direction. Under-20 manager Ramon Menezes has been acting as the caretaker coach after previous coach Tite resigned. That was in their World Cup quarterfinal exit in December. The Brazilian FA are still pursuing Real Madrid manager Carlo Ancelotti for the vacant role. Interesting, and yes, it would be great if Senegal could repeat this kind of performance at the World Cup, where of course there is so much pressure. And uh, while the football action just keeps on coming, the FIFA Women's World Cup starts on the 20th of next month in Australia and New Zealand. And this Saturday, the Under-23 Africa Cup of Nations starts in Morocco. Uh, The tournament takes uh, place over two weeks. Eight teams are participating. In Group A, there's Morocco, Ghana, Congo, Brazzaville and Guinea. In Group B, there's Egypt, Mali, Gabon and Niger. Uh, The all-conquering Senegal are not featured. Featuring there, they were knocked out uh, by Mali in qualifying, and the top three teams will qualify for the Olympic Games in Paris next year. It's the fourth edition of the Under-23 Africa Cup of Nations. Egypt are the defending champions. They hosted and won in 2019, beating Ivory Coast in the final. Nigeria were champions in 2015. They beat Algeria in the final, but Nigeria didn't qualify this time around. And Gabon won the inaugural edition back in 2011. They beat the host Morocco. So Morocco hosting this tournament uh, for the second time. So the opening game is on Saturday. Morocco playing Guinea uh, then on Sunday Ghana against the Congo Brazzaville, Egypt playing Niger and Mali against Gabon uh, so we'll be following the action here that's at the under 23 Africa Cup of Nations finals uh, in Morocco top three teams qualifying for the Olympics 
Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to Asamoah Jan, as Ghana's all-time top goalscorer announced his retirement from football on Tuesday. 37-year-old Jan hadn't actually played for two years, but there had been talk of a comeback. He was in tears as he made the announcement at the Afrex Zimbank annual meeting in Accra on stage during a panel session with former Ivory Coast captain Didier Drogba. Uh, so there's no comeback for Asamoa Jan, but uh, so many memories, Ida. So many, Steve. And yes, no comeback this time. Gian retired from international football in 2019, and he had tried to make a comeback before the Qatar World Cup, but it wasn't to be. He made this retirement announcement at the bank conference, as you've mentioned, then later made it officially via a statement on his socials. Steve, to say it was emotional, I think, doesn't even cut it. And you know that some question the unusual location that Jian chose to make such a heavy announcement. But in my opinion, it wasn't even planned. I think the legend simply was overcome and decided that there was no time like the present. It looked like it was weighing on him because just before making the announcement, Jian had turned to Drogba and asked how he had dealt with retirement. Drogba, of course, retired in 2018. And as Drogba spoke, Steve, Gian was getting very emotional and eventually let it out. But so many memories, as you've said there. I mean, who could forget him scoring the fastest goal at the 2006 World Cup against a Czech side, then ranked second in the world? Then, four years later, his stoppage time winner against the U.S. is what put Ghana through to the quarters in South Africa, yet... His missed penalty at the very same quarters is what denied the Black Stars a chance to become the first African team to make a World Cup semi-final. Steve, the irony. Drama and controversy was never far from Gian. He remains Ghana's all-time top scorer with 51 goals in 109 appearances for country. And he is Africa's top scorer at the World Cup, with six goals in total, three of those at that 2010 World Cup, which he has said that he would love to forget. Overall, he played in three World Cups, seven Afghans, and he helped Ghana finish third in 2008 and as runners-up in the 2010 and 2015 Nations Cups. GN's club career took him to 11 clubs in eight countries, including Udinese in Italy, Rennes in France, and Sunderland in England, where he broke the transfer record. He also went to Abu Dhabi, China, Turkey, and India before making a return to Ghana in 2020. I mean, there are people that you look at, right, and truly feel that they did what they were born to do. For me, GN is one of them. Incredible talent, controversy, and personality all rolled up into one. The full package, some might say. He's definitely one of one. Unforgettable. What a character, Steve.
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Ida. Asking for your thoughts on social media this week for your Asamoa Jan memories.、Uh, what a career then! So announcing his retirement this past Tuesday, Ida saying that、uh, Asamoa Jan did what he was born to do. So there was the missed penalty at the World Cup in 2010,、uh, crucial goals at the Nations Cup and the World Cup, where he's Africa's all-time top scorer. So what are your memories of Ghana's Asamoa Jan? You can post a comment on our Facebook page. That's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What are your best Asamoa Jan memories? Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime, and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store, and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. And also, our website is planetsport.tv. We've got a new blog there called "What Does Success Look Like?" So, as lots of trophies have been won in the past few weeks,、uh, Russ Bravo takes a look at、uh, what a real success is in life and what、uh, really counts. That's on our website, planetsport.tv.、Uh, go to the blog section. It's called、uh, "What Does Success Look Like?" Well, to social media now. Last week on the show, we asked how good is Andre Onana, as the Cameroonian was on the losing team in the Champions League final. But the Inter Milan goalkeeper Onana impressed many people there and throughout the campaign, where he kept eight clean sheets. So besides his shot stopping, Onana has been praised for his passing and his vision, and he's being linked to clubs like Chelsea. So we asked, how good is Andre Onana?、Uh, we start in Sierra Leone, and Kai Soko says he's good for us Chelsea fans. Ubachi in the Gambia says he's a promising future world best goalkeeper. He's proven to the world that he's got the qualities of being the best keeper of his time, but going to Chelsea is not a good idea for him. Rather, he should go to Man United, where he can stay long and obtain great records and success, or maybe to clubs like Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Paris Saint Germain, and so on. Says Ubachi. Abibu E Sandiwa in Sierra Leone says he's Africa's best goalkeeper, and Balongbaji in the Gambia says Onana has exceeded expectations with his great timing, his great marking of his territory makes him a brilliant goalkeeper. Says Balong. A camera, camera says he deserves to go down as the best goalkeeper in the Champions League. Lamine Dibba says Onana is one of the best goal blockers I've ever known. One of his best saves was at the World Cup against Brazil.、Uh, good luck to him, says Lamine.、Uh, Noble Francis in Nigeria says he's both a goalkeeper and also a creative midfielder. <laughs> yeah, because of the way that he does move up and to distribute the ball. And、uh, finally, Sideko Suno in the Gambia says Onana deserves、uh, to be honoured as the best. Goalkeeper in the Champions League. I have a hundred percent belief that if Anana was a European keeper, he would have won that award. Well, thanks very much for all of those comments, and are always great to hear from you. Well, now let's go to our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK. And、uh, although the、uh, English Premier League and the other European leagues ended a couple of weeks ago, Stuart,、uh, we've had these、uh, Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers, Euro 2024 qualifiers,、uh, the UEFA Nations League final as well.、Uh, when are some of these players going to get a rest? 
Um, Steve, let me tell you about Jack Grealish. He reported for training on the 13th of July, 2022, and he played his last game on the 19th of June, 2023. That means his season had lasted 24 days short of a year. 13 July to 19 June. He played in part of or all of 59 games. He played for Manchester City in the Premier League, the Champions League, the FA Cup, the League Cup, the Charity Shield. He played for England in the World Cup and the European Championship qualifiers. Now, I understand that this is an unusual season with a World Cup mid-season, but a season lasting 11 months requiring a player to play 59 games in is it seven different competitions is just ridiculous. Of course, players are well paid and the rest of us work year round, but research has shown that playing too many games increases the risk of injury, which in turn can shorten a player's career. And that's the reason it's becoming increasingly common for players to opt out of international football to reduce the number of games they play. Remember, at the end of last season, we did a little feature on Mo Salah and Sadio Mane and how many kilometres they had flown to play international football back and forward between Europe and Africa. The travel, as much as the playing, takes a toll in the human body. You know, the last game that Grealish played was a qualifier for next year's European Championship. UEFA would say there was no other time in the year to play these games, except the end of the season. And, of course, the number of qualifiers could be reduced, but games generate money. Less games, less spectator income, less TV income. There's no easy solution, but equally there is evidence that playing too many games has a negative effect on player welfare, and I hope Jack Grealish enjoys his two, three weeks off because he'll be back in training before he knows it. Yeah, pre-season training starting uh, early next month and uh, pre-season matches for clubs starting in the middle of uh, July. So not much time at all for a rest. Uh, Meanwhile, Stuart, uh, interesting activity and rumours on the transfer market. We were expecting a lot of activity in the transfer market involving Chelsea with their enormous squad, including those $700 million worth of players signed during the last season, with big questions about how many of them, new manager Mauricio Pochettino will actually want. Now, Chelsea have over 40 professional players in addition to 20 others who are out on loan. Guess what? They signed a new player. Christopher Kunku, a French striker from Leipzig in Germany. He scored 36 goals for Leipzig in the last two seasons. And incidentally, Kunku, while French, was born in a Congolese family. We understand, too, that Chelsea are keen on uh, Nicholas Jackson, Villarreal's Senegalese striker, incidentally born in Gambia, uh, who scored 12 goals in his first full season at Villarreal. But Chelsea have also sold Mateo Kovacek to Manchester City. Now, the 29-year-old Croatian has been at Chelsea for five years and to me often looked a really useful player. But he's gone to City because Gundogan, the City captain, we understand, will leave this summer on a free transfer to join Barcelona. Other Chelsea players on the move, we understand that Kai Havertz is likely to sign for Arsenal. He's been at Chelsea for three seasons, but never quite seemed to score enough goals. 
And then we also understand that Manchester United have made a bid for Mason Mount. Chelsea are apparently interested in the Inter Milan goalkeeper Andre Onana. Now, it's a particularly interesting move from my point of view because they've already got two African goalkeepers. Eduard Mendy from Senegal, who of course lost his place as starting keeper last season. And they also have Sami Lemkani from Algeria. He's yet to make a first-team appearance. Now, last week I said that I didn't think that Saudi Arabia would be an attractive option for players in their prime. But I might be wrong. Well, we sort of knew that N'Golo Kante was going to uh, go to Saudi Arabia. But apparently Ruben Neves, the Wolves captain, Chelsea's Koulibaly and Ziyech and Arsenal's Thomas Partey are all considering offers from Saudi Arabia. So it may be more significant than I had thought. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I've even heard rumours that Edward Mendy might be going uh, to Saudi Arabia too. Um, and uh, on the manager's uh, front, Stuart, uh, Bournemouth uh, firing manager Gary O'Neill after he uh, helped them to avoid uh, relegation very comfortably. I think this is a shocking decision. You may recall that Scott Parker was fired early last season. Gary O'Neill, his assistant, replaced him temporarily, but did so well that he was made permanent and, as you say, took the club to 15th place, five points above relegation, after being in the bottom three for three months up till April. They have now appointed Andoni Irola as their new head coach. He's Spanish, he's 40, he played 400 games for Bilbao, he's been manager of Rio Vallesano for three years, guiding them to 11th in Spanish top flight last season. But I found it sad to see a young English manager who had done a good job dismissed like this. Rola is another overseas manager with no experience of English football or the Premier League and time will tell if it's a good appointment. Brendan Rodgers, sacked by Leicester City, but the club ultimately were relegated, has gone back to Celtic in Scotland. Rodgers was the Celtic manager... 2016 to 2019, before coming to Leicester for five years. Celtic, of course, need a new manager because Ange Postcoglu has left Celtic for Tottenham Hotspur. Leicester have appointed an Italian, Enzo Maresca, to succeed Rodgers. Now, Maresca, as a player, had two years at West Bromwich Albion right at the start of his career, but has played mainly in Italy... And his managerial experience is one season with Parma in Italy's second tier. Again, a strange appointment. I would have thought Brenton Rodgers had far more to offer. Now, Steve, we've talked all season about the ridiculous number of managers being fired. Eric Ten Hag has been Manchester United manager for just over a year. And incredibly, he's the 10th longest serving manager in the Premier League. Long gone are the days of Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger being in post for over 20 years. The longest-serving managers in the Premier League are Jurgen Klopp, seven and a half years, Pep Guardiola, seven years, Thomas Frank, four and a half years, and then Mikel Arteta and David Moyes, both just under four years. Only three managers have been in post for four years. Isn't that remarkable? Yes, very concerning indeed, uh, I'd say. And uh, Stuart, you've been doing a, a bit of research on Brazilians in the English Premier League. 
Well, Steve, if you go back a few years, Brazilian players were almost unknown in the Premier League. But that has changed drastically, with last season 15 of the 20 clubs having at least one Brazilian player. In fact, there were 34 different Brazilians playing in the Premier League last season. And when Manchester United beat Reading 3-1 in an FA Cup tie, the goals were scored two by Casabira, one for Fred. And I remember that game, Anthony missed a good chance. So it could have been four Brazilian goals in one game. And I doubt if there'd ever even been a game before where a Premier League had three goals scored by Brazilian players. And, of course, we tend to think of Brazilian players as flair players, attacking players. But the range in the Premier League is vast. Of course, there are players like Guillemaris, Joe Linton, Ricarlison. But there are also defenders like Thiago Silva at Chelsea. Defensive midfield players like Fred and Casemiro at Manchester United. A striker like Gabriel Jesus. And Liverpool and Manchester City each have a Brazilian goalkeeper, Ederson and Alisson. And it seems to you that Brazilians age well because Thiago Silva is just three months short of his 39th birthday and Willian, at 34, is running around like a teenager in the Fulham midfield. And Arsenal have three Brazilians, all called Gabriel. I suppose it's another indication of the global status of the Premier League. Ten years ago, Brazilians would have been much more likely to play in Portugal, Spain, Italy where the climate, lifestyle and language were perhaps more accessible. Now the Premier League is clearly a league at which Brazilian players feel comfortable and want to come and play. Well, fascinating. Great presence uh, from Brazilians right now then. And uh, just before you go, Stuart, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo setting records again. Portugal beat Iceland 1-0 in a European Championship qualifier with captain Cristiano Ronaldo scoring a last-minute winner. It was his 123rd international goal on the night that he gained his 200th international cap. Whatever you think of Ronaldo, it's a magnificent achievement. It is. It's legendary stuff uh, indeed. Thanks so much, Stuart. Uh, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers uh, in Zimbabwe, and from Ida Waringa and from Stuart Weir, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.